Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is a section from our new podcast that is only available on Patreon. If you want to listen to the full episode, go to patreon.com slash empirefiles. I hope you enjoyed this clip where we go over some very important updates about what Biden is doing with the Yemen war and the Iran negotiations. America is back. America is back, baby. Biden uh, made his big first foreign policy speech tonight. We're going to get into his foreign policy in general, his cabinet a tiny bit. We also did a Empire Files about that that you can go more in depth about. But America's back, baby. I mean, Biden gave some epic ass speech, dude. Talk about this amazing speech he gave. That was super captivating and, and great. Yeah, well, you know, Biden has never been known as a charismatic speaker. And so it was painful watching this thing, but <laughs> had had to do it. Um, I mean, there's really just a couple highlights from it. I mean, the big thing, of course, is committed to ending support for, quote, offensive operations in Yemen. This is, of course, a very good thing that we know that he already um, put a freeze on arms sales to the Saudi-led coalition, not just Saudi Arabia, but the entire coalition. So the weapons that were killing Yemenis, uh, many civilians are you know, that flow is cut off from the United States. And that's separate from this, though. That was the, the first action he took. And then tonight he announced um, he's ending support for offensive operations in Yemen. So that one's a bit confusing, though. Maybe you may know more about this than I do, Abby. But I think the caveat is what is considered an offensive operation. So right now, you know, uh, the U.S. is doing training of Saudi forces. It's doing uh, logistics that are for Saudi Arabia's defense, as it's called. So those things aren't considered offensive operations. In fact, if you look at what the U.S. is officially doing in the Yemen war, I don't think any of them can really be considered offensive operations by like a Pentagon definition. And so it's really unclear how much is really, really even gonna- like the tactical logistical support for like targeting and stuff. The thing is, is that I I don't think they're doing much of that anymore. Really, and it's under the auspice of preventing civilian casualties. Like, oh, support, like helping. Oh, yeah, okay. the support to the Saudis is intel, so they can That's prevent civilian casualties. Incredibly so it's not dishonest. Considered o- offensive when it's obviously you, you know you know what they're fucking doing. Wow. Um, but they're able to say, oh, this isn't offensive operations because Saudi Arabia is doing it anyway. We're just helping them not kill as many civilians, which is mm-hmm. of course fake. Um. You know, they used to do things like refueling bombers that actually stopped under Trump um, for whatever reason. We don't know why that happened. But so that would have been considered offensive, but that's not happening anymore. So we don't know exactly. I mean, what are your thoughts on the the Yemen stuff? I think it's a huge move. This is something that Biden promised during the campaign. This was something that we were all hopeful to happen. Yemen is the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. Tens of millions of people are starving to death. It is a holocaust. It is a genocide. I'm not mincing words. It is. And the U.S. was facilitating that directly with weapon shipments, with everything that Mike's talking about right now. So Biden freezing these weapon shipments is a huge move. It shows how efficient grassroots pressure is. And it has to be mentioned that Trump actually vetoed this bill. Bernie and a bunch of other people um, tried to pass a bill to end U.S. weapon shipments and Trump vetoed it. The the strong anti-war Trump vetoed that bill and kept the war going. And this is like just such a criminal endeavor, really sadistic shit. So it is huge. 
devil's in the details. <laughs> I'm going to just say like key phrases over and over again. <laughs> um, here's the thing about it, which is really interesting, is that Anthony Blinken, who replaced Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State, did this big, giant press conference and also like this interview with Andrea Mitchell. And he mentioned Yemen in both. He continues to talk about sanctioning the Houthi rebels, which is like, that's odd. Like, okay, so yes, ending the support for the war, you clearly recognize what a disastrous human rights catastrophe this is, right? And how desperate these people are for humanitarian aid urgently now. Like they need aid, they need food because this is an artificial that like Saudi is cutting off artificially um, aid and food because of the port or whatever. Like there's a lot of crazy shit that they're doing. And so instead of focusing on how can we save all of these people with direct aid, Anthony Blinken's busy talking about sanctioning Houthis and talking about how they control 80% of Yemen, 80% of Yemeni territory. I don't even, first of all, I don't believe that. Um, and second of all, how, so how are you going to distribute aid when you're sanctioning Houthis? Right. And then here's another caveat. Riyadh, they're talking, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, they're talking about continuing border defense against the Houthi attacks in Riyadh. Which so, is what is where that a lot mean? of the fighting is happening. Exactly. So, you know, big details that need to be mentioned when you're giving Biden credit. And I still think Biden deserves credit for this. But this is, these are really important details that are going to possibly derail a lot that needs to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's a it's a victory for the grassroots effort to raise awareness about the Yemen genocide and the Yemen war. I mean, there has been a huge anti-war grassroots effort to do that. And that successfully put a good amount of pressure on Biden during the campaign where he had to even say, I yes, I agree that I will do this. And then it shows that there. And, and you know, I, I think that when you went through his executive orders and the ones that are seem good on the surface. Of course, the devil's in the details, as you said. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they're even doing that, the fact that they're coming out with this, even if the Yemen thing is just a, a ruse and there's they're still going to be doing, of course, all the support for Saudi Arabia and so forth, the Keystone XL pipeline, all that stuff. I, the reason that they'd be doing any of that is because they feel that the left is a strong and formidable force in the United States that they have to at least throw something to to prevent themselves from getting, uh, you know, Occupy Wall out. Streeted. Yeah, or like, and so I think I think there's been a lot of demoralization going around about, oh, the, the left is so weak, they can't get anything done, that Biden won the election, which means that the left is in disarray and can't accomplish anything, and we only have, you know, one senator who calls himself a democratic socialist, or two that call themselves a democratic socialist, and so forth. I mean, there's more now, but I mean, there's this presentation that the left is weak right now because of Trump, because of the Biden winning the election, because of, because of Trumpism and all that stuff. But I think that the left is actually in a strong position. I mean, I, you know, 15 years or more being in the left as an organizer and an activist, I'm, I feel fairly strong about the position of the movement now and the influence it has. And I think that these things that Biden has done that seem like these woke, important uh, executive orders and anti-war stuff, um, in the token things that he's done is an acknowledgement of that, that there's a little bit of fear in the Democratic Party of the left wing in this country. It's funny, though, because the Yemen, th Yemen thing, of course, like, yes, it's good that these armed shipments are going to stop. It's good that they're pledging to end the offensive stuff. 
Of course, we know from our analysis that that's not the full story and that the U.S. role with Saudi Arabia and in the region is going to remain very much the same. It is funny to think about if Trump had done this, though. Like all the, yeah. <laughs> you know, our last episode, we talked about the false presentation of Trump as an anti-war person when he just expanded wars and the little tiny, tiny token things he did, he got tons of credit for. If Trump had announced he's cutting off weapons to the uh, the Saudis in the Yemen war and that was going to end offensive operations, it'd be like, oh my God, Trump, it, he is the anti-war president. See, like we were right. We told you, like you can't argue, you can disagree with him on other things. You can't argue that this isn't great. Da, 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 da. And, um, you know, I'm sure Biden won't be getting that same treatment from that. Rand Paul would give him fellatio. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, It is interesting and funny to think of that, right? Because no one's going to give Biden credit for this. Definitely not in the same way that Trump would have gotten credit. It's like Trump was treated like a child. You know, I forgot. What? I forgot to mention in the... the America's back speech. Oh, go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my I really God. only we got sidetracked <laughs> we just, on the Yemen stuff. <laughs> he said a lot more than the Yemen thing in the speech. <laughs> That's all he talked about. I mean, he didn't say that much more. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was like the big takeaway. The I think the big, the big, the thing that's most relevant to our view right now of the direction that American imperialism is headed and that the U.S., what's, what the U.S. empire's main priority is right now um, you're going to get into some of those details with Blinken and, and you know, what, what the specific policy towards these different countries is going to be and what we can expect from it. But I think the main thing from Biden's America is back speech and actually what he meant by America is back and why that was the theme of his presidency in the speech is all about repealing the America first strategy. You know, Trump comes in and basically says, America first, we're doing too much to help other countries that are in that are junior partners to US imperialism. Not that we are doing anyone any services, but you know, US forces in uh, Japan and throughout Europe and all this stuff. He's like, we're not getting enough money, we're not getting enough back for all this work we're doing protecting all these other countries or whatever. So basically gave like a fuck you to all like the the little tiny eagles under the wing of the big American eagle that they used to dominate the world. And it's like America's going at it alone and it strained all these relationships. And the Biden's the point of Biden's speech and the, the point of his whole America is back thing is saying we are going to rebuild our alliances. And so Trump's view was America is a big, strong bully in the world and we can go fuck up anyone we want. We don't have to ask for help. The mainstream Pentagon and imperialist view is no, the U.S. needs its array of allies to launch wars and to dominate the world. Just like, remember when the Iraq war was starting? It wasn't, ah, America's going to go overthrow Iraq. Coalition of the willing. The coalition of the willing. And you remember that coalition of the willing was like, you know, was it like seven? It was like Samoa. But they they put, I mean, they really were like, we're not just doing this alone. Look at all the countries. And they put out this huge list of like 60 countries. I mean, I remember actually when I was there Mm -hmm. in, in like 2003, all of a sudden, this truck rolls by, a bunch of guys in the back of a pickup truck with like Fiji uniforms on. And we're like, Fiji? <laughs> like, you guys are here? And we were like, Fiji, what's up? And we didn't know you guys were here. They're like, yeah, we're here to help. And um, But it's like they, the U.S. And they, they weren't doing anything. I mean, they were just rolling around to be like, hey, look, we're here. Right, right, right. You know, it's not just yeah. America. That's Send like 100 There's like 10 Fiji guys there. Yeah. So that is really important to U.S. domination in the world. And so Biden, the theme of Biden's speech was saying, we are going to bring this alliance back together to go after China, to go after Russia. We're not going to do it alone. We're going to build this broad coalition um, of other, you know, wannabe imperialist nations, Japan and others. And we're going to 
dominate the world that way instead of just America first. It's going to be America and its junior partners first. You know, NATO, I mean, the whole existence of NATO and so forth is for that, to be under the tutelage of the U.S. empire, uh, but carry out actions on its behalf or big coalition actions when things call for it. Yeah, I think that, honestly, that's probably the main reason why they didn't like Trump, because he really, like, ruined America's standing with all of its junior collaborators in the world. Um, And like Blinken actually said explicitly that those people were turning to China. China filled the void when America faltered under Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just came out and said it. Right. Let's talk about Iran because Israel is going to try to do everything in their power to prevent the Iran deal from being renewed. So the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, this was something that we all had high hopes for. In fact, this was one of my main differences, like my main points of difference between Biden and Trump that I was actually advocating for. I was like, well, at the very least, like, Biden's going to re-enlist in the nuclear deal. And like, mm-hmm. that's a huge, huge measure because of how close we were. We we're on the precipice of world war with Iran teetering on the edge for, frankly, years. Everything from the assassination of Soleimani um, to Fakhrizadeh, the nuclear scientist, to completely uh, ripping to shreds the nuclear deal as one of Trump's first acts, to the war games in the Persian Gulf bombers, ships, drones, so many things threatening Iranian airspace and really, really getting up close and personal, basically, you know, showing Iran that we're like close to war in the months leading up to Trump's departure, which is actually really crazy. I won't get into the details. Gareth Porter has written extensively about this if you guys want to learn more about that. But like, that's just to give you a sense of how much the U.S. was really taunting Iran into war. So Biden getting in and having all these key foreign policy advisors being instrumental in negotiating the first nuclear deal under Obama, I was like very optimistic. I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be great. Now, turns out they are taking their sweet ass time. They are taking their sweet ass time. Mind you, during a global pandemic, Iranians for the first time in decades are actually dealing with malnutrition because of the sanctions that Trump put on them. During a pandemic, to get sanctioned, not only on their oil infrastructure, but food and medicine. This is what sanctions target. 800 plus sanctions that Trump put on Iran. You would think that Biden, being as how Iran didn't break the deal, the U.S. broke the deal, right? You would think that Biden, as one of his first acts, would be like, we're immediately removing these sanctions. Mm-hmm. Let's start from scratch. No, right. that's not what's happening at all. They are actually forcing major new concessions that extend well beyond the 2015 nuclear agreement. Basically, they're demanding that Iran gives up its political leverage. And, and it's like Iran is already in the position with an election coming up in June that they need to posit some sort of power and leverage against the U.S., you know, the the U.S. has already done so many devastating crimes against Iran just over the last year that we are, I mean, Iran is giving us so much credit to even think about rejoining this deal, right? So according to The Week, quote, leaders of both countries say they want to restore the Iran nuclear deal to its original state, but the U.S. as a member in Iran in full compliance with its strictures but both sides want the other to go first. 
Tehran has asked Washington to drop the sanctions, and Washington demands Tehran return to compliance before sanctions are revoked. On Monday, Iran proposed a new way forward. Let the European Union, another party, to the deal. Manage a simultaneous return. The U.S. could re-enter the agreement, nixing sanctions per its terms, while Iran resumes compliance at the same time. Bafflingly, the Biden administration said no. So let's break this down really quickly. Biden is forcing total capitulation from Iran after several acts of blatant war, as well as genocidal sanctions against the country. How disgusting is this? This was one of the few things that we were going to expect from Biden. This was one of the first things that I was expecting him to do. And he can't even do that. And in fact, there is no rush whatsoever. And you've seen Blinken over and over again basically say, oh, yeah, no, we're going to like make Iran um, do all of this stuff before we drop the sanctions. It's so sad what they're doing to Iran. And the U.S. has already undermined itself as any serious actor in the matter and already has zero legitimacy in the eyes of Iran. The fact that Iran would even consider renegotiating this deal is like such a huge diplomatic measure on their behalf. Um, It's just unbelievable. And the U.S. is completely screwing it up. And Biden actually could could destroy this attempt. And this is the thing. Iran's not going to wait forever. Iran's not going to wait forever. They're suffering. They need to appear strong. You know? Um... And it's just really crazy, Mike. I just, I, I'm honestly shocked. Well, I mean, the, the gross thing to me is that, I mean, Biden campaigned on the Iran nuclear deal. One of his things was how horrible it was that Trump withdrew from the Iran nuclear deal, all the hard work that he did with Obama, and that he's going to rejoin it. And that was like a main foreign policy talking. That was like his main foreign policy talking point mm-hmm. in, in comparison to Trump was the Iran nuclear deal. So now they're saying they're not re-entering the Iran nuclear deal. They're going to re-enter some different thing. So it's a different deal. So the whole the it's a broken promise to say you are going to rejoin the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA. Yeah. So the fact that the promise that they're going to rejoin the JCPOA is broken because they're not trying to rejoin the JCPOA. They're trying to completely rewrite the JCPOA, which would mean it's a, not the JCPOA anymore. It's a completely different deal um using trump what trump did basically saying oh trump helped us now we have more leverage because of what trump did because he put these sanctions on we're going to keep that leverage and not remove them because trump did these assassinations we're not going to apologize we're going to keep that leverage and we're going to use them to get more out of iran and so that's completely tearing up the jcpoa and it's saying we're going to try to bully iran into something that's worse for them and better for us and you know it's I think unexpected for everyone because of how what Biden how Biden talked during the campaign. But even the the right Trump administration and the people in the Pentagon who are against the Iran deal, they thought that Biden was going to come in and do this. I mean, one of the main reasons that it be, was clear that Trump in his last weeks in office assassinated this Iranian nuclear scientist, which could have started a war, but I don't think that was the main intent. But one of the main reasons, the main intent of that was to make it harder for Biden to renegotiate 
the Iran nuclear deal because they didn't want Biden to come in and automatically re-enter the JCPOA. And so they wanted to make Iran so mad and do so much damage in Iran that they'd be like, we can't talk to the U.S. unless they make some more concessions. So it was trying to sabotage the re-entering. Turns out Trump didn't have to do any of that. Yeah, right. Biden was willing to yeah. say, fuck it all together and just and and just continue basically the the Trump policy in in some way or another. Yeah. And to actually put the blame and the fault on Iran being like, well, they're not in compliance. It's like, of course, they're not in fucking compliance. Why would <laughs> they be? They've been sanctioned to death. Like they've been treated like shit. There's open warfare being waged against them for four years. Why would they be in compliance with the JPCOA? And also, it's so crazy to me that they, they were like, OK, OK, Biden's being super unreasonable. Shocker. Let's have a third party negotiate all of this. Let's have the EU deal with this. And Biden was just like, no, nope. So I hope to God that they do the right thing because we cannot afford another day on this footing with Iran. And I mean, even it's this, it's like even if they rejoin the JCPOA as it was before, I mean, that's still bad. Oh, I mean, it's still, still the horrible. U.S. dominating Iran saying what you can and can't do and here are the penalties <sighs> if you try to develop nuclear power and whatever. I mean, so the fact that the standards are so low that the danger of war is so real with mm -hmm. Iran, which could be a bigger regional war, that even re-entering the Iran nuclear deal would be considered like, oh, that's a positive step, even though it's, you know, reenacting something that's like an imperialist control mechanism it's, on a sovereign country. It's disgusting. It's just like the Korea thing, you know? Yeah. It was a great move. Um, but it was horrible because if you really look at like, why is the U.S. dictating any of these things? These countries have sovereignty. They have the right to pursue their own self-determination. How dare the imperial hubris of the empire to put all of these impossible benchmarks on any of these countries and dictate what they can and can't do. It's disgusting. Yeah. And like, it has to be said that Israel is the one that has a nuke and Iran doesn't, but you know, that's okay. Sorry to cut it off here, Empire Babies. If you like what you hear and you want more, the entire episode is almost two hours long. We go over a comprehensive country-by-country -country breakdown about where we are at with Biden running the empire and what we can expect. Mike also gives updates about who might go down for the Capitol attack and the impeachment show trial, as well as what's behind Biden's record-breaking executive orders. Go to patreon.com slash empirefiles to hear it all. For as little as $2 a month, you can hear all of our podcasts. And it's because of your support that we can make all of our video content free for everyone. Thanks so much for listening.